welcome to the Soulful Fire Podcast, the podcast where I help you ignite your inner fire. My name is Matthew, and I will be your host. So today, I figured I would get into a little bit of my background and kind of tell you guys why I do what I do, why um, this is my profession, because uh, it's not exactly an easy path, but it's one that we're, you know, I feel personally whether or not you like, you give a shit about whether it's easy or not. I don't think that really matters. And I guess you know what I what I really mean to say is this is one of those paths that if you're called, you're called, and um, it's your it's your duty to show up. So before I start getting you know too awkward, too nervous, and too uncomfortable, I'll uh, I'll continue. Um, I'm going to be talking about a lot of like personal stories today. There are, um, uh, what is it though? <laughs> There's a lot involved N- and it's not all pretty. It, some, some of it can be pretty hard to hear is what I'm getting at. So I guess this is a trigger warning for anyone that is kind of squeamish about, you know, topics like trauma or childhood trauma or, you know, abuse, neglect, um, just medical trauma, you know, things like that, um, sexual abuse, sexual trauma, that's none, yeah, trigger warning there, if any of, any of those kind of things, um, bother you, or just make you feel uncomfortable, that is more than okay, you know, either skip this one, or, you know, just when you get to that part, just skip past it, or whatever, um, but yeah, there is, like I said, there's a, legit, yeah, um, there's a, a lot with this ep- uh, episode, and I can't even speak straight. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, anyway, I'm Matthew. I am the founder, creator of soulfulfire.com, but it's really just Soulful Fire. Um, I, of course, am also the founder and creator of this podcast, and Soulful Fire is where I'm at in my life right now, uh, and a lot has... Uh, led to me being here. This is not exactly just something I fell into. Um, (laughs) I mean, I guess as far as the way life kind of goes, you know, everything that happened in my life definitely led up to me being here. Yeah, before I keep rambling and go go too crazy far, off 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 course because that's just kind of what I do I um I tangent a lot and I move around a lot and it just is what it is but I wanted to share my story in this way um one so it makes it easier to relate to me and you know my my mission here like what I'm trying to or you know what I'm aiming and intending to accomplish with soulful fire which is you know just to help unite people in, um, and help them ignite their inner fire, their, um, their authenticity, like what makes them tick. Um, you know, for me, I'm finding more and more that it's, it's helping people as best as I can. And I'm still, you know, figuring this out as I go. And I think that's another thing that others need help with as well is, Realizing that it's okay to not have it all figured out uh, at any point. Like, we're, things are always changing. Things are always 
moving around and up in the air and all of this stuff. So it's okay to not have it all figured out. But listen to yourself, listen to your body, listen to the, you know uh, your intuition because you are receiving messages, you are receiving things that are guiding you along this journey called life. So, you know, I, um, I got into a lot of the spiritual practices and things that I'll be discussing, you know, more and more in depth on this podcast because of the stories that I'm going to tell you in this episode, this podcast. Okay, enough rambling with that. I, I think, I feel like I've got it as best um, together and, and, you know, as I can for now. So I'm just going to get into the story of, you know, why I do what I do, why I feel called to help others and why I feel called to help spread love and um, and do my best to help others through their, their times of darkness that we all face. So, you know, I am 28 years old now. And those 28 years that I've been on Earth in this life have been, whoo, they've been a lot. They've been intense, and they've been challenging. Um, and it starts with, I am an only child, but not for my parents' lack of trying. Uh, my, and this is kind of hard to like get into and talk about, I guess, because I don't want... It's not hard, I guess, to talk about, but I don't want to step on, on you know, my parents' toes and, and all of this stuff. But it is part of my journey because it has affected me and what I do and how I, you know, or not what I do, <laughs> what I've been through and what led me to do this. So my parents lost seven children in total. So, you know, in... That's, that's just heavy a lot, you know, just to say right there. You know, I'm the only one of eight total that made it. My, my mom, you know, physically miscarried seven children. And, you know, my dad, he's, of course, grieved in his own way that I, that I know about. Um, but I, 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 I know that for my mom... I think she's grieved a little more in the open or more like presently when, you know, uh, in front of me. In other words, I was exposed to my mom's grief of, of what happened more than I was exposed to my dad's grieving process. I don't know if I've ever like seen my dad cry about it or get visibly upset about it. Uh, you know, he's not exactly a guy that really wears his emotions on his sleeve. I, however, am, so that makes things a little challenging, but anyway, okay, so yeah, I am the fifth child born, or would have been the fifth child born, I, I mean to say. My parents lost seven children, they lost four before me, so I was affectionately referred to as, you know, my parents' miracle baby, and I think still am to them. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, so that was just difficult all on its own, growing up, kind of knowing that I was the only one there. And it's, I've never really, like, gone into that whole process of, like, how it makes me feel. But, well, um, it's, it's weird, you know, you sort of feel left behind, I guess, or, like, in the shadow of, of them. But also, like, well, why me? <laughs> 
And I think that also, you know, that, that led to a lot of my questioning that led me to do what I do. Um, but I won't spend too much time on that because ultimately the, the, you know, that's my parents' story. You know, my, my parents went through the, the actual brunt and, and trauma of, you know, losing and miscarrying seven children. So that's ultimately for, for them to share, you know, in detail if they so choose to at whatever point in their life, if they do. And if they don't, that's more than acceptable and fine too. There's no pressure either way. And I'm putting this out there because, you know, it's my intention to help and, or to help others and to, you know, communicate with them and to, and to relate to them and to let them know, like, I, 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 I understand. <laughs> okay. So I was born in Chicago. Chicago's just Chicago. Um, it's known for lots of crime. It's known for just kind of being a crazy city. You know, it, it, I did my best not to spend too much time in, in the city is what I'm getting at. Because it, you know, for me, I, I found very early on that just my sensitivity to energy and others' energy, especially with being an empath, being in the city or any big city like that, it sapped me of any energy or any, I mean, just normalcy that I, I could have had during those times. So I, um, I did my best to avoid the city. However, we lived about 30 minutes outside of the city, so we were still close enough, even during all of the time that I lived there, to be exposed to what the city life, especially when you're around that specific city or just really any big city like there's just going to be more crime than there is going to be in you know a more rural yeah in, yeah <laughs> in a more rural area yeah so we lived near near chicago and i was there with my parents for the first five almost six years of my life i don't really have too many memories, you know, that I can call back that are great during this time. I do remember being in our first house, like playing. Um, I used to love to clean and, and like, I, I, I'm still a, a clean freak and, and I do my best to keep things as clean as I can all the time. But I, I guess that started early because there's a, I do have a memory of like wanting to always clean the kitchen and sweep and mop and vacuum and all that stuff. And it's funny because my son now, He's very similar to that too. My son, um, he's you know he likes the vacuum and to clean the floors, and he he takes after me in that way. But anyway, so you know about five or six years into my life, um, things up in Indiana, which is um, I yeah we lived in Indiana. Chicago's in Illinois, but we lived just over the border in uh, in Indiana. Um, so anyway, things obviously weren't great there really ever but things started to get worse and you know my my folks didn't really want to stay there forever either and my dad's um my dad started applying at um at places elsewhere so he ended up at a job or getting a job in north carolina which from indiana the place you know we were at it was about 10 to 12 hours away from indiana still is but anyway uh, so yeah, uh, my my dad got the job um, in North Carolina, and we ended up moving there not long after, you know, that was all said and done. So um, 
I don't remember timelines or, you know, specific dates or anything like that of, of, of that time because I was so little. But I do remember, you know, my dad having to, I think he drove, we, we had to, we had older cars, of course, you know, this was the mid-90s. I think my dad had an 89, or maybe it was a 90, or any, a late 80s, it was a Plymouth Horizon. I, I won't forget that car, because it was, oh boy. <laughs> but he ended up, I believe, he drove that from Indiana to North Carolina, and found us a place, and got things settled, and all that stuff, and then ended up, I think, leaving that car uh, in North Carolina, because I don't think it would have made it back, <laughs> and I think he took a Greyhound bus, and then my mom's car, um, you know, she, she, of course, she had a van, I think, at the time, um, but then, of course, we had the moving van, so my dad took that other, our second car that we had uh, down to North Carolina first, went back up to get us and all of our things in the moving van and, and all of that, and then drove back again. So I, I do remember, a, you know, bits and pieces of that trip, and I remember it being exhausting for everybody, but, of course, I was a young and patient kid, so I was just like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I can only imagine how, how ridiculously stressed and just frustrated my parents must have been with the whole move moving, you know, states away from family for the first time, you know, at least I, I believe for the first time for them. Um, you know, it was just a, it was a fucking mess. <laughs> what can I say? Um, but anyway, so yeah, we ended up in North Carolina. Things were going fairly well for a little while. Um, and then, you know, things started to just get a little rocky in the family life. My mom and dad were kind of already having marital issues and, and things that I found out later. Um, and obviously, you know, miscarrying the babies, I know that didn't help the situation either. So yeah, my, my parents' marriage, you know, it started to suffer. It started to kind of deteriorate and fall apart. And that led to them ultimately, you know, their marriage being on the rocks. Well, as I'm sure most people can relate to this. When it rains, and, and you know, in life, it, it tends to pour. <laughs> so, right after, or right around the time, you know, things started to get a little meh for my parents, I started to get a little meh for myself. Um, I ended up starting to get medically ill. I, um... It was New Year's Eve white, uh, right before Y2K, so New Year's Eve 1999 into, um, into 2000. <laughs> what a time. Um, and, of course, I was too young to have known, you know, what was actually, like, stressing the rest of the world out, you know, with, with Y2K and all that stuff during that time. But I was just stressed out in a whole different way because I ended up getting so ill the night before, I wanted to stay up so badly to watch the ball drop and all of this stuff. You know, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, um, during New Year's, if you, um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this. Uh, anyway, I'm not even going to get into that. We used to watch the ball drop when they would count down on TV before the, you know, for New Year's. Um, if you want to look more into that, you can. I'm sure, honestly, I haven't watched it or done any sort of thing like that in the last few years, so I don't even know. It was Dick Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve. <laughs> um, I haven't been a part of that. I don't even know if it's, I'm, if it's still going. Anyway, 
I digress. That's uh, that's neither here nor there. So anyway, yeah, I did my best to stay up. I honestly don't remember if I did. I kind of don't think I made it until midnight. But I'm so glad because I needed the rest regardless. But I just, I woke up feeling like death. It was not, oh, it was it was brutal. It was not a good time. I had the world's worst headache that you could possibly imagine. I described it as, as you know, like being, like just basically my head physically being split in two. Like I remember it, it just feeling like somebody was just taking a hammer and a big old nail and just, you know, like bashing my poor skull just in two. It was horrible. Like I couldn't even, it was like this throbbing, just agonizing headache. I'll never forget, you know, I'll never forget that. It was, it was excruciating and ended up going, you know, from there to, you know, of course, free, you know, not from there, ended up freaking out because I'm just like, what the hell is happening? I was a little kid. I didn't know what was going on. It was, it was the worst I'd ever felt. So, you know, my parents, of course, you know, they, uh, they took me to urgent care. Um, and of course it's New Year's fucking day, 2000, Y2K. So, you know, this is, it's not exactly prime time to want to, you know, be spending any time at a hospital, at a doctor's office or whatever. So bless them for, for doing that for me, truly. But I, um, you know, I, I know, I, I'm pretty sure we went to urgent care and they were like, you need to go to the hospital. This, this kid is not doing well. So we went to the hospital and of course it was New Year's Day. So it was absolutely ridiculously packed and busy with people who, you know, of course needed treatment too. But the story that I got, because I, at this point, I'm, things are deteriorating for me quickly. I, I believe I started to lose consciousness. You know, I started to kind of just kind of go in and out type thing. And it just, it, it sucked, <laughs> to say the least. I ended up, um, I remember throwing up all over the, the waiting room. Um, or yeah, not all over the waiting room, but all over the floor in the waiting room. And it was, oh, I was so embarrassed. But I, I, I started to, like, just, again, be just in and out, not not as coherent and not as with it as, um, uh, I mean, ever. It was, it was rough. So, you know, after the whole puke incident, you know, uh, it was, I, I think I was ushered along and, and moved, or maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But I do, I, the next thing I remember is just a lot of, just a lot of chaos and a lot of white light and a lot of just confusion happening. Um, if I remember correctly, I was in the the waiting room for eight hours before I, I was finally able to get seen. My poor parents. Oh my goodness. Um, poor me too. But I I don't remember too much of this at this point. So you know, it's this is just what I've been told and what I've been able to piece together over the years. But I, um, I do remember them, um, they did something with my lower back. I remember feeling intense pain at that point, and I found out later what they did was called a, um, oh, hold on, I'm blanking on, the, I'm literally blanking on the name. Why am I, uh, oh man, spinal tap, there it is. Um, so what they do, or what this particular test is, is they, they put this long freaking needle thing into your spine, in your, in like the lower part of your spine, and then they, they check 
See, I don't even remember or know specifically why, but I do know that that led to them confirming, I think it confirmed the meningitis. Um, and I see I'm blanking on why, but I do remember having to get that done. And I think it, it was something to do with the spinal fluid or the, um, you know, with, yeah, with the spine. Cause I know that had to, and I'll, I'll get to that and why that's important in, in a moment, but I'm pretty sure they did that then, and that's how they confirmed that I had meningitis, although I could be wrong with that. Anyway, it, um, either way, I'm in the hospital, I'm laying on a table, they just shoved a freaking needle that fa that big, you know, it's about four to five inches, sorry, I did the, <laughs> that I did about four to five inches apart with my fingers, I'm, I'm also, I record this podcast for YouTube as well, so if you don't like audio only or you want to see what I'm doing while I'm talking... <laughs> which you, you totally can, and I'll, I'll be doing more with the YouTube channel in time, but I'm just getting things going right now, and just getting in the, in the flow of things, so, you know, we'll, uh, it'll evolve as, as this whole thing does, um, but anyway, it was about four to five inches, I believe, and, ow, <laughs> so, you know, and I barely remember that, like, that's how I know I was just out of it, because, like I said, uh, a lot of what I remember at that point is just a lot of chaos, a lot of confusion, and then a lot of white light. Um, I'm told at this point that I was jaundice, that my organs had started failing, be, you know, and that led to me being jaundice. That basically I was, like, my physical body was dying. And it was. Um, I was out for three days, and I woke up on the third day after... Um, after really experiencing, like, as close to death as, as I knew or can understand at that time. This part's a little emotional for me still, because I, I, I still do my best to process whatever the fuck this, this was and is, and just, you know, it's a lot, so, but I'm, all, I'm already been talking for 25 minutes, and I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface of what I wanted to get into, because I'm just a jabberjaw, so, anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm looking on the camera, and there's a spot, there's a glare on my lenses that, like, it makes my eye look like it disappears, and it just, it's funny, so, I don't know if that's, if, yeah, anyway, okay, I'm distracting myself, um, but yeah, I, during that, that white light, period or whatever it was time didn't exist for for me in the normal way you know I as I found out later on in life you know time dilation with like a psychedelic experience is very common you know and this felt very similar to that which I'll get you know to later on in, in my story here but it time didn't exist in this place not in the way that it does on earth you know a, a moment could have been simultaneously a second and you know a, a million and a half years i mean <laughs> i don't even know the correct number that was just the fucking first random ass number that came to my head but it literally it could be forever you know and and then nothing at all it, so i remember being there i remember seeing very little but i remember just a lot of white and I remember at, you know, when I, uh, when I came to, when I woke up finally in the hospital, I remember telling my parents or my mom specifically that I saw Hope and Hope was one of the, um, one of my, my parents or my sister, well, she was my sister that, that my mom miscarried. She named her Hope 
and she was the one that I've always connected with or have been able to feel or, or know or, or see or, or whatever um, during at least during that time. And I remember seeing what I thought she looked like or painting the picture rather in my head after the fact. But really what stands out to me is I heard a voice in this white space and it said to me, mm -mm, no, it's not your, it's not time yet. You're not finished. And I didn't know what the fuck that meant. You know, I, I, you could have told me anything at that point, and I was just along for the ride. I was just going, I, you know, I had accepted that I was just in a state of wherever I was, very, like, almost amnesiac. Like, I didn't remember too much, but I remembered that, and I, and I remembered that that was my sister, <laughs> or at least what I perceived to be my sister. And I remember hearing that voice again, that, that feminine voice that was just like, no, it's not your time yet. Because I guess I, I, I don't know if I was just confused or I didn't move or I didn't go or whatever, but it sounded more like understanding, but also like, mm -mm, like a little more, more stern and firm, like, mm -mm, it's not your time yet. You need to go on. You're not, you're not finished yet. I'm like, okay. And I just remember as soon as I grasped that that was spoken to me, as soon as I like internalized it to like know that, oh, okay, I woke up. I was in a hospital bed. You know, my mom was around me. I don't think anybody else was. I think my mom was there. And But then again, I was, you know, in and out still. Um, but I do remember waking up and coming to at that point. And the first thing I started talking about was that I saw hope and that she she told me I wasn't that it wasn't my time yet <laughs> um that means a lot to me now you know back then I mean it meant a lot then too but it um it means more now because I've had other experiences and I've had other things that have occurred in my life that paint that picture for me in a very a, a different light so I'll leave it with that for now um, anyway after I had came to I forgot how to walk I forgot how to swim I forgot how to do a lot of the things that I had you know been doing with my life I had to relearn all of that I was six years old I just turned six um Wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. I was seven. I just turned seven. And, well, hold on. Damn it. Why am I blanking on? <laughs> okay. No, I was six. I just turned six. I'm glad I can do math. Jeez. I just turned six years old. And <laughs> it was, um, it was a lot to go through all that. Like the rehabilitation process, you know, was intense. I had, um, you know, I'd have lots of antibiotics because of the meningitis. That antibiotics, or all of the antibiotics I had to have, led to me becoming partially deaf in my left ear. It led to other various mental, you know, things like that kind of just revealed themselves. I ended up, years later, I ended up developing uh, something called Tourette syndrome. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that or if you've ever heard of it, but it's, um, it's a... It's a neurological disorder um, that causes you to have like tics 
uh, something like vocal tics or motor tics, like you physically move, it gets a bad rap with you're just this this uh, this person that can't control their their cussing, where you're just like, ah, fuck, fuck you, bad, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, if you've ever seen, um, well, what the fuck is that movie with Rob Schneider and uh, uh, is it Deuce Bigelow? I think it's that, but I'm I've lived under a movie rock. I haven't seen heart as many movies I, I i just i don't know they, they've not been all that crazy exciting to me music has been what call you know it's it's the media that calls me or speaks to me more but anyway i uh i do remember that scene you know i think she's at a baseball game or whatever and she's just cussing and wailing and you know, whatever and it's funny and it's great i don't personally have you know tourette syndrome in that way and really i don't suffer from it um, heart, you know, at all anymore, really. Um, it was much more common during my youth. Um, and when I didn't have a lot of my own practice, you know, with, with, uh, my spiritual practice, um, it developed. And of course I'm still developing it every day as I think we all are. Um, but things like meditation and, you know, grounding work like that has helped so much with so many just mental ailments and things but anyway I, I digress for now um so yeah you know it led to a lot of just medical trauma for me to experience and to go through and it wasn't in it wasn't easy at all for any any party involved I know my my parents you know they they stood alongside with me you know through that and suffered with me really like we <laughs> It, they just did. It was it was kind of brutal in a lot of cases, in a lot of lot of time, you know, with all of that. I know it was a lot of stress for everyone, and I just I'm so grateful to be here now and that we all made it through these times. Um, but anyway, during my whole rehabilitation process, we started to figure out a little bit of what was happening and and, you know, got a handle on it, and I was okay for about, you know, about a year, year and a half, about a year and a half, um, and, you know, I was in school, or back in school, um, doing much better, and, re, you know, recovering, recuperating, but I still wasn't okay, I still wasn't healthy, there was still something off, and the doctors really didn't know at the time what was going on, but I would just, I would constantly have, like, a runny nose, um, breathe um, well like I had asthma as a kid too so I would have you know that issue too and you know a lot of the doctors are just like no this just must be allergies it must be something going on like that but then June of the following year so June of 2001 came around and I got that headache again it was excruciatingly painful I was in school I, w I remember this very clearly I was in school and I was just about, it was the end of the school year, and I was so excited because I just finished first grade, and I was getting ready to, to move, you know, to second grade, and I was so ecstatic, and I felt so devastated that I started to feel blech and ill again in the middle of school as, like, right as the school year's ending. Oh, I remember feeling like shit. I used to really love that school, and, you know, I learned a lot there. That was, I went to a private school at the time, and the, the curriculum that I learned compared to the public school curriculum that I got later on, it's night and day. Um, so I really loved that school, and I really loved my, my, my peers, my, my teachers. I, it was fantastic. 
they helped a lot and they were very understanding with my conditions at the time and and, and it was just, it was great anyway we um well i'm sorry i uh of course i told the teacher i wasn't feeling well they got a hold of my parents my mom just instinctively knew that i was gonna that i was sick again that i had meningitis again i don't she you know mother's intuition that 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 feminine divine connection like she just knew and i you know i didn't want to believe it and of course i was too young to really again grasp what was going on fully but i just knew i wasn't feeling well and i was scared to death that i was gonna die um and this one, I'll be honest, I don't really remember too much because this one was rough. Like I, another near-death experience, although not quite, you know, is is like the white light or whatever is, as I had with the last one. This one was just more like I was in a void. Like I was, it was the opposite of that. It was like I faced the light first and then I got the shadow right after that a year and a half later. <laughs> um, I felt just absolutely alone like I was just existing for, it was so weird it was you know later on you know in life you know I, I experimented with psychedelics and it's so fucking scarily crazy and similar to a psychedelic trip like a near-death experience and a psychedelic trip like they go really in tandem like it's fucking crazy so the amount of like realizations and, and just knowledge and things that were imparted to me, even at a young age, it was and was and is very challenging to still integrate. It's, it, you know, it's one of those things like once you're exposed to that world, that door never shuts. And I got exposed like in quick succession at, you know, some of the earliest developmental stages of my life. So I've always known things, I've always felt things, I've always had empathy beyond, you know, um, I mean, my empathy is just, the, my ability to feel for others is astronomically huge. You know, I, I um, it doesn't matter where you are, if I know you in some way, I can feel whether you're, you're in distress, whether you're feeling great, whether you're not. Whether you're, if I know you well enough, like my wife, uh, you know, I can, and if our connection is that strong and I'm tuned in to like her consciousness as well, like I can physically feel when she, like she's a seamstress and when she gets hurt or something, you know, or like I can feel it, like I'll just get a, "Mm," or like a a pinprick or something on my hand when I know she's poked herself with her, you know, her sewing needle, like it's it's fucking crazy sometimes to even just say it out loud. I'm like, wait a minute. That's, but it's true. It's, it's, it's almost scary, but I've had those things since I was a little kid and I didn't understand them. I didn't know anything about them. And they, you know, if, if you're familiar at all, you know, with, um, with magic or, you know, um, just energy in general, you know, that if, there's no place for it to go, like no ground, or with electricity, there's a, a little more relatable example that just came to me, you know, electricity needs a ground, you have to have a ground, you know, in order for that, that circuit to, to be healthy, for it to flow, for it, for things to be properly functional, um, I didn't, I didn't, I had no, you know, grounding at, at the time, I didn't know anything about it, and my parents, and my, you know, at this point, 
my my parents, you know, uh, their their marriage had fallen apart. It was not looking great, you know. So, um, things were rough there too. So there was no like stability in my life for me to even hold on to a, any form of grounding at that time. Um, so after getting sick again, I um, I pulled through. It was a it was it was a miracle. There's really just no other way to 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 say it. I pulled through, but you know, again, more antibiotics, more treatments, more things, and it, it took its started to take its toll on me. You know, my uh my mental health started to degrade rapidly. Like I just remember feeling sad and helpless all the time. I would you know it, it was a state of depression that followed me around. And in some cases, still shows its fucking ugly face. Like, it just, it does. It'll creep back up on you when you least expect it. You know, I, uh, I, I'm in firm belief that we're, we're meant to, you know, to experience those things on Earth. But that they're also, they're not going to be, they're not, there's not a permanent fix. You know, it's not like you're going to wake up one day after all of this healing work, all of the shadow work, all, all of the stuff that we, you know, we do to better ourselves and just yes, I'm fucking fantastic, there's no more need for healing, I'm cured, I'm great, you know, like, no, like, <laughs> that's not how I believe life works, especially on earth, like, we're here to learn, we're here to grow, and part of that includes suffering, <laughs> and I did a lot of my suffering early on in my life, like, I, I, I did, so, you know, I, started to mentally suffer, and of course, if you know, again, you know, metaphysics at all, uh, like, and why I, you know, again, why I, not, I, not again, if you know metaphys metaphysics at all, you'll know how those two things relate, you know, your inner mental world is a direct reflection of your external world, so if things are internally fucked, and chaotic, and all just, you know, crazy, um, your outside reflects that. So my health just got worse. I ended up, um, from the, this whole thing, I ended up developing a condition called hydrocephalus, um, and that condition is basically, um, if you're familiar with the brain, or, the, you know, the, uh, yeah, the nervous system, or, you know, the uh, or anything like that, uh, your brain there's so many uh, things, of course, that go into the functionality of your brain, and I won't go, you know, into any depth because one, I'm not qualified, I'm just not, and two, I I don't want to give anybody the wrong information here. So please, uh, just take what I say in this particular moment or this talking about medical things with a grain of salt. A lot of this is just my understanding and and things, you know, going forth from this point in my life. Um. So, you know, with that being said, uh, hydrocephalus is a condition, they, they, they call it water on the brain. Your brain has four ventricles um, or, or you're, you're in the skull. You're, there's four ventricles, or, you know, I'm, I'm going to butcher describing this. I don't want to do that, so I, I'm just going to stop uh, trying to describe it, and I'm just going to leave it there. And if you want to look up more, you know, uh, look it up in more detail, please do. It has to do with the ventricles, um, and there there are four of them that I that I'm aware of. And normally, of course, your body just naturally handles it, and and they're connected with spinal fluid. That is very important. CSF, 
is the acronym uh, for that for short. I do remember that. But um, anyway, it's uh, honestly now I'm kind of kicking myself. I, I really ought to have looked up hydrocephalus beforehand and like become or was more prepared, but I just wasn't. I'm winging this today because it's my fucking background story. So anyway, um, yeah, please look that up if you're curious about it. Um, but anyway, long story short, hydrocephalus, you know, water on the brain, the ventricles were not draining of spinal fluid properly with my body. My body just wasn't handling that. So the, uh, neurosurgeon that I was seeing at the time wanted to, um, Ooh, I'm sorry. I just jumped ahead. I forgot about something. Right after I, and I have to go back to this, otherwise that other part won't make sense, and I just, I jumped ahead. But anyway, <laughs> geez. So right after the second meningitis and all of that stuff with the rehabilitation process and, you know, everything going on, during one of the doctor visits, or maybe it was the same, I don't know, my mom happened to mention to one of the doctors there that my nose wasn't running when I was sick with meningitis. So they ended up doing a test where they put dye or they injected dye into my spine, I believe, and then they just tipped me over. They found that I had something called a fistula, which is basically a hole in my skull, and it was in the nasal cavity or passageway. So the bacterium that causes meningitis, I believe it's called streptomony, but I'm I'm probably wrong with that, so don't hold me to that. <laughs> Um, but it's, I believe it's the same bacteria that also causes things like strep throat. But it just weaseled its way up through my nose and was like, hey, we like it here better. We're going to go in there. So that's how I was getting meningitis. Um, so the neurosurgeon that I was referred to, of course, to see after this, they wanted to do something called a craniotomy. And a craniotomy is basically when they take a scalpel and they cut your head from one end one ear basically to the other ear and they pull your face down or your skin down they drill into your skull and um they do repairs that they need to do inside um i won't go into any more detail just in case of the, the squeamishness um but yeah it's uh it's intense it's not exactly a pleasant thing and i went through that at the ripe age of seven for the first time uh, <laughs> I'll get to that in a moment too. So after that was done, we thought, okay, you know, yay, we're, we're okay. You know, he's, he's going to be okay now. It's, I don't have, you know, I don't have to worry about me having to get meningitis again. Yeah, no. Um, well, I, I, I don't want to say that because I, I didn't get it again. However, there was always the fear of it because I, that didn't fix things fully i was still um about a year after that so this is 2002 you know i was still dealing with spinal fluid issues i was still leaking they didn't the surgeon didn't do it properly and during that whole process other things came up with the hydrocephalus so he recommended going in for surgery there too and putting in shunts shunts are these little you know basically they're like they're long tubes um well, they can be long um and they basically regulate or uh they help drain the ventricles and they regulate that operation and it just drains the fluid where it, I, I believe it drains it into my abdomen my body processes it from there and that is what it is now this is you know this was oh geez 
yeah, this is right after the second meningitis. So this is, you know, August of 2001 when that first shunt went in, I believe. Mm, no, I take that back. No, because my I, th I believe my craniotomy was after that. Or maybe my craniotomy was August, September, and then the shunts were after. Anyway, doesn't matter. I'm <laughs> I'm just getting off on dates that mean absolutely nothing to you. Um, doesn't matter. Regardless, I had the craniotomy first. I went in for the shunts. I say shunts because the first time they put it in, that also didn't work, and they had to go back in, and that didn't work. So then the third time, they put a different type of shunt in, not in my head at all, but in my spine to where it regulated things from that way. And that worked for... A few years. Um, so that now that that was managed and whatnot, um, then I could start, you know, more with, like, rehabilitation and all that. Anyway, long story, kind of, well, forever long, <laughs> as I'm coming up to now. Yeah, 48 minutes talking. Jesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I just want to apologize for this being such a long, drawn-out, run-on kind of deal. I didn't really want to just go and, like, bullet point all of these things. I just kind of wanted to talk and let things just happen the way they are. So whatever this ends up being, that's just what it is. It's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Because <laughs> it legitimately is my story. But I digress. Okay. Um. So, yeah, we went. We. I. Anyway. I, we, same thing, we're all one. <laughs> um, at this point, you know, I'd already been through the fucking ringer. Um, after surgeries and things started, you know, happening, my, my parents, at, you know, of course, at this point, their marriage had already fallen apart. Um, they were, they had started, you know, the divorce process at that point. I think, yeah, at this point too, my mom, uh, my mom got or got custody of me, and then, um, we had moved, and it was around that time, during that whole fiasco of moving, and all of that, where I was also being molested sexually, <laughs> um, there was just so much trauma that happened at such a, a young and early age for me, and I, you know, I had ex was dealing with that, and had to, had to experience that for, months and I didn't tell anyone one because I didn't know what the fuck ultimately was happening but two because when I did talk about anything you know like sharing or like or mentioning my mom or whatever the person that did that would just threaten both me and my mom and our safety so I didn't say anything for a bit until I, until that person was less regularly around, and then I felt okay enough to say, but anyway, um, that's, that's a lot, that's a whole, you know, uh, that's a whole other thing, that's lots of therapy, lots of, lots of help, um, and just, you know, stay, stay strong, uh, it's, it's not, that, that's not easy, it, it's, it's not, but, I'm very grateful to be where I am, and it, it, it sounds kind of morbid, but I, I'm grateful that I went through all of this, you know, when I did, and just at all, so I could learn from it, and, you know, become a better person, and 
become me, become the, the, the me I'm, I'm meant to be. I don't want to say a better person. It's not like I was a bad person as a kid because I, I wasn't. But, you know, this is very, it's character building to go through all of these types of things in life. And every one of us goes through our own forms of trauma and whatnot. But, you know, as a kid, I just, I think after, with this stuff just happening so quickly, I just started to stop, like, fully processing it then, and I just stored it for when I got older, because how the fuck are you gonna explain to a seven or eight year old what sex even is, and then that sexual abuse is, is a thing as well, and that people prey on, you know, young kids for that too. <laughs> You're not gonna be able to explain that in a way that one makes sense, and, and, um, and two doesn't absolutely fuck the child up even more. You know, uh, therapy did their best, I guess. You know, my, my support system around me did their best, but that's just not something a young kid can process at that age. It's just not. So I've spent, you know, my adult life, or, you know, about 22 onward processing that more. And, you know, I'm at the point now with it where I'm, I'm okay. You know, I, I accept what happened. I've, I, and I've, and, I, and I've moved on as, as best as I can. You know, of course, the memories, like, they, they can still, flashbacks are a thing. Like, you know, it is just what it is. But I don't allow it to define me, and I don't allow it to cripple me, and I don't allow, you know, my life to be infringed by the things I've been through. I just, I keep moving forward. I do. Um, so after, and I want to just kind of, cut along a little bit because I'll just apparently just keep talking and rambling forever <laughs> but anyway um after of course you know all of that stuff happened you know with the molestation with my parents officially causing or causing officially calling it quits and um you know just every medical thing that I had been through at that time I was in rough shape you know I I need I wanted a lot of attention I wanted a lot of just help and to be validated to know it was okay. And, and I suffered from the fear of death, you know, for a long time at, at that point because I had come so close to it and the way the doctors presented everything and, you know, um, my mom, bless her, you know, she, she meant well, but you got to remember she lost seven kids personally, you know, um, so she became kind of a, a bit of a helicopter parent with me and I, you know, was like, Oh, any, anything I, I did or wanted to do, there was a risk factor or a danger factor or a, Oh no, honey, you can't do that. You could get hurt factor. And it's not that she meant anything, you know, other than I just want to keep my, my only baby safe because <laughs> that's what she did. And I don't hold any grudge or any, any, you know, hard feelings, for, you know, for her, for any of that. I don't. I, um, you know, because of that, uh, you know, there were parts of my life that I consider, you know, like sheltered or were like kept away from things that I wanted to do, like even just going to hang out with friends, <laughs> um, you know, like stuff like when I was a teenager, you know, things like that. I mean, like that just, that wasn't a reality for me really. And if it was, it was very, very heavily monitored and very few and far between. So because of that, 
I, uh, I, I, of course, I suffered even more in school, I feel. Bullying was just ridiculously intense. I was bullied all the time, you know, just, I, I was also, um, at this point, too, I, I got overweight because when I was sick with the surgeries and with meningitis and with all of the stuff when I was really, really young, I wasn't eating properly, and even if I was, my body was just like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I'm, I'm, I've got one foot in the grave anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I was a really skinny kid up until I got to be, you know, about a teenager or so, and then I got really heavy. Then I got, well, he heavier. I, I, I gained a good bit of weight, and I, I've lost it all since, but it was, yeah, it was a, an interesting time for sure. Um, and I'm skipping around a little bit because I don't, I don't want to go into like all the specific little details, but we ended up moving, um, back to Indiana after my mom and dad officially called it, it you know, it quits and they got everything straightened out and it, you know, it was of course. And then after uh, the whole molestation thing, then it was just the, I just, I, you know, we wanted to go. We didn't want to be anywhere around the, um, uh, you know, any of that. So we ended up moving back to Indiana. Um, yeah, so we moved back to Indiana, and then things were sort of, like, okay for a little bit. But, you know, also during this this period, my mom's health, like, really started to deteriorate, too. She was dealing with her own things, you know, during all of this, too. But I'm not here to tell you her story. That's her job, if she ever so chooses to. Um, but I, um, you know, she was dealing with her own things and then because of that, you know, I think it also started to catch up to her, everything she had been through with her childhood, you know, um, being married so young with, to my dad, losing the babies, just more, so much more than, again, I'm not gonna get into, you know, in too much detail, but she has her own story to share, and so does my dad, and, you know, all of that stuff, too, and he's, he's been through his own versions of hell, and I think we all have, but, um, you know, this one specifically is, is mine, and we're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do my best to stick with that, um, so anyway, we ended up back in Indiana, and things were okay for a little bit, and, you know, I had to move around a bit at this point because, again, my mom's health, you know, was just deteriorating. She couldn't really work. So we were living off of, you know, whatever help I got from being, you know, or like medically, um, like pretty much temporarily disabled at that point. And then child support from my dad. <laughs> so we lived off of that. And it was just, I mean, fucking things were real tight. And, you know, um... Like I said, it was just rough, rough again, but not so much sick-wise for me. Like, I ended up doing a lot better, but I also still had some shit to go through. I ended up having to have um, another craniotomy. They had to cut my head open again and go back in and repair the, the, the whole thing again. And the reason for that is that the surgeon that did it originally... I butchered it. I don't know. Um, the surgeon that I or that did the surgery the second time ended up, by some chance, being the surgeon that trained the surgeon or the other surgeon that did my first surgery. 
So the surgeon who trained that guy was not too happy to find out and to see the state that I was in from that. Because apparently he, it was kind of, kind of fucked up. He didn't do it right. It wasn't done well, and it was very sloppy. I, I do remember hearing those words from the doctor or from the surgeon. I mean himself. It was, it was intense. So um, he went in and did things correct because I've had no issues with that fistula or anything related to it since, and that was back in two thousand, either late two thousand three or early two thousand four. So I had no, you know, I've had no issues with that. However, I have had to go back one other time to get a second shunt put in because that other, that shunt that, uh, that other surgeon put in was faulty. It, it stopped functioning on one, literally one of the four ventricles. It managed three, but not the last one. So it wasn't draining that one. So I had one ventricle that was swelling up to like, it was going to pop and yeah, ow, uh, and that's that's about just the best terms I can do it to make it simple. You have to look more into that again, because uh, I'm hell. I have to look more into that again. So I, I, I digress. But I ended up having um, one other surgery to put uh, a second shunt in to manage that whole system, and I actually still have both of them today. Uh, the one from that first surgeon was put in back in two thousand two, and the one from the second one. Uh, that did it correctly, was put in 2005. Those shunts typically have a lifespan of 5 to 7 years, maybe 7 to 10, I think, for the one in my, my spine. It's called uh, the, the, the lumbar parrot... The lum oh, jeez, I'm going to fucking butcher that. <laughs> uh, I know the acronyms. I forget what they stand for because, again, I, I'm a dork and I did not do my research with the medical pronunciations prior to this. I'm just pulling it from memory, so I apologize for that. Um, but one's a VP shunt, which is, like, up here, and then one is an LP, like a lumbar, so the lower back. Um, and I, I've had those, um, the one since 2002 and the one since 2005. I actually don't really believe they do anything anymore i i've in you know later in life you know my 20s late teens even you know i worked really really hard on self-healing and and that whole process and i believe i've, I've cured myself of any anything with that because i don't i mean the, i don't suffer from that anymore at all Tourette syndrome I've, I've cleared up practically at this point too um i might have a few ticks here and there but Nothing that's in any way, shape, or form debilitating. Um, so anyway, I uh, I want to skip around a little bit after that point because after the surgery in two thousand five, things again just Indiana with my mom's health and with all you know the things just like I was talking about before with the crime and just everything happened. It was just not really a good place to be and to like want to raise a, a kid and I'll, so my mom didn't you know obviously want to be dealing with that and our family or you know with uh, just kind of I mean they have their own stories uh, to tell and they were going through their own shit at the time so we kind of had the choice to either be homeless or to move back to North Carolina um, and to, to see how things would go there so we ended up choosing the let's not be homeless route <laughs> um, we ended up moving back to North Carolina 
And I've been here ever since, actually. I ended up, you know, really, I, I, got, I got through school as best as I could. Um, school in the public school system, you know, it, it, it's fucking horrible. Um, like I was talking about before you know, with the private school, the curriculum was just fantastic. I mean, I was learning long division, cursive writing, like triple digit by triple digit multiplication and like scientific notation in the first grade in the private school I went to. Meanwhile, I get into the public school system, which is when I was meant to be in uh, third grade, because I, I had got, um, remember when I was saying that I had got, or I was about to graduate and go up to second grade when I got meningitis a second time? Well, my second grade year ended up being just a fiasco at, you know, with school, with having to be out for surgeries and medical things and all of this crap. I think I ended up only being able to go for the last like month or two of school of that year. And I was smart enough and intellectually, you know, fine and capable, so they passed me along. But my mom felt it, you know, too much. So she kept me back, and she, she asked them to keep me back a grade. So I had to repeat the second grade again. Or I say again, but I, I, went, a, I went a month the first time, so it's not like I repeated it, I guess. But I always hated that, because I'm just like, fuck, you know, like, I don't want to be in school. This sucks ass. So anyway, um... Yeah, I had to do that again, and by the time we got back to Indiana and I spent, you know, the last years of my el of elementary school there, I, I was just hitting my head on the desk, bored out of my fucking mind, because I knew all that stuff, you know, from first grade, basically, and, you know, so I, I would just, I would hate to show up, I was, you know, I would do everything I could to get out of going to school, and I would still go, I was that kid that would basically not ever be there, and if he was, it was, you know, like one or two days out of the week, and I might show up again that month. Um, yeah, I, I was, I, I used the, uh, the medical things as, as an excuse to get out of going to school a lot, because I fucking hated the school system. I hated going to school, I hated dealing with, you know, being bullied all the time, I hated being laughed at all the time. I hated being one of the smartest ones in the class and, like, not having to do much about it. I just felt so... And I, and I don't mean that to come across like I'm better, because I'm not. I wanted to be a part of the group. It sounds fucking ridiculous, I guess, but I did. Like, I, I didn't want to be special. I didn't want to be, you know, a part of or, at, you know, like, differ, differing from others. I wanted to be part of the group. And I think that's like a very, like a huge cornerstone to what I do now. Like, I am very much in firm belief of unification of all. I don't believe there's any anything that anybody has done that can't be resolved or, or whatever in some way, or rectified in some way, where we, we can grow as a collective. I think we all need to embrace everyone, no matter what their background or what their story is, and, you know, realize that we are all ultimately one, but we have a very beautiful opportunity in this life to experience our consciousness and our lives on an, indiv on an individual level, you know, to, to make our own choices, to co-create our own reality in that way with Source. Um... So I want to, you know, from that, I want to 
kind of skip ahead a little bit because I've already shared a lot of like the childhood thing, you know, with like a lot of medical, and, you know, uh, and just a lot of the that whole thing. It's 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 it's, it's a lot uh, during all of this, you know, all of these times. I and I forgot to mention this early on too, but I was brought up and raised very Christian, very you know um, religious in in the, every sense of that word. And uh, you know, I was brought up a Christian. I I no longer identify as a Christian anymore because I I can't really just be limited to that just that one dogma, that one practice that just that that wasn't for me. Still isn't. I I kind of just pick and pull things that that make sense, you know, uh, for me spiritually. And you know, I I'm not here to tell anybody what's right or what's wrong. That's not. Mm -mm. Like, that's not for me to do. Ultimately, what's right for you is exactly what's right for you. It's for you to, to find and discover. And, and, you know, a lot of times that is found by going inside, by meditating, by getting to know yourself, you know, by things, um, just things like that. And it's not an easy journey, but that's why I'm here. That's why I started Soulful Fire. That's why I, I, because I've been through so much and I'm leaving out, you know, things, of course, like details of things, um, on a specific level, because one, that's, that's very personal, but two, you know, these are very developmentally profound for me. You know, I've gone, I've gone through a lot. I, uh, I really have. And I've learned a lot you know, I had a lot of time to, especially during a lot of the, the later stuff with, you know, medical and like re rehabilitating myself, I had a lot of time to learn. You know, I was always into the esoteric, like, well, yeah, but how does, how does everything work? You know, and, it, and also, like I said, too, I, um, I had and have such a very strong sense of empathy and feeling, you know, uh, for others, not just myself. So that's really intense, and it, it strengthens my, my desire and my, you know, um, my reason or whatever to, to, to help others. Like, I really, like, that's my intention. I want to use the hell I've been through in life and the, you know, not just the hell, but all the experience that I've been through in life. I want to use that as a way, as a, for, you know, and transmute a lot of it into a positive thing, into something that that I feel good about, that I can help others with, that, you know, if they're going through a rough time or whatever, like, if I can use any of the things that I've been through to help guide them through their own rough time, then that's what I want to do. It's, um, it's very important to me that I return that, because I've, I've been helped in, you know, in, in many ways by many people, by many beings, you know, over, over my life. I want, I, I truly want to give back in that way. So with that being said, before I just trail off there, um, I, I do, I want to help and I want to spread as much love as I can. You know, I've been shown a lot in my life of like what not to do and how not to do it. Um, but I've also been shown, you know, good things in life too, like, you know, how to, uh, how to do things, how to, how to take care of yourself, you know, how to love yourself, how to, uh, and how to love others. 
and I've shown, or rather, I've been shown those more later in life. You know, I through my my own choices and my own actions. You know, in and and things. I um. Being you know so bullied and so, you know, abused and 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 just hurt throughout life. You know, it, it it's so easy for somebody like me to just say, you know, well, fuck you and fuck everything you stand for and I'm just going to bury my head in the sand and, you know, pretend that life isn't real and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think that's okay. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do things. And if you've been through hell in your life and that's, that's ultimately what you decide is what's best for you, then, hey, I'm not judging and fuck anybody else who, who thinks they, they can judge you for that. But what I am here to say and to show you is that no matter what you're going through, it, is it gets better. Like I, you know, I've been through all of that. You know, I've, I've had to watch my parents, you know, fall apart. I had to watch their love die. I had to watch my life fall apart in so many different ways and so many different situations. I had to, suffer through and, you know, really learn about fear and what it is to be fearful and how fucking pointless it ultimately is and how anxiety, you know, you know, and worrying about the future is also fucking pointless too. Of course, there's a lot of us that can't help but be anxious. I am definitely, uh, I'm still a, a victim of anxiety. Like, don't get me wrong. But I've developed tools that have helped me navigate darkness and the shadow. And I wouldn't be here without them. And I truly do feel that it's my duty, truly, to share that and to, to impart whatever I've learned, whatever I've, you know, been through to help and to encourage you step into you, to step into your authentic self, who and what you are, what you desire. You have it already, first of all, but it's just catching up to it and stepping into it that, that is difficult. And I understand I, I'm still doing the same or similar thing, but I'm also, I'm realizing that none of us have to do this alone. We're all connected, we're all one, we're all here, and we're all in this shit together. We all have our skeletons in the closet, we all have whatever, you know, bullshit that we've been through, and we all keep going in our own way. And if some of us choose to, you know, not, or some of us can't, or, you know, then that's, you know, that's, then I still feel just as much love, you know, for them too in their choice there's nothing there's no judgment in in you know are yeah, from me in any in any way in in those regards just love just so much love is what i feel for for all i really do i know there's a lot of shit going on in the world right now i know it's you know it can be pretty dark and grim for so many but i have hope and i have faith that we will you know, we will come through this. Unity is coming. We are, we are going to unite. We are going to stand together. I feel this. Things have to get 
tough or worse before they get better, though, and I think we all know that. So that just hold on, ride it out, take care of yourselves, you know, focus on, you know, showing yourselves love first and, you know, strengthening the self ultimately. Like that truly is the most important thing we can be doing right now because once we shift that energy, you know, back to like taking care of ourselves first and healing our own things as much as possible before we jump in and say, hey, I've, I can do this, you know, blah, 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 for, you know, for you, like, that's what I feel like we need to be doing. And that's kind of why my platform is what it is for me. It's I'm not sitting here telling you, like, I can do this for you. I can do this better than you, I, blah, blah, blah. No. But I'm saying I can do this with you. I don't, you don't have to do this alone. And what I've been through has gifted me with knowledge and wisdom and and it's opened up connections to, you know, the spiritual realms that I didn't have prior to doing any of that you know and that to me is also very important and very beneficial and I I want to help with that I want to use what the gifts I've been gifted and I want to help others and I want to be there for you and show you love even if you don't feel like that's possible because I promise you it is um well before I get to just, you know, rambling and, and tangenting, you know, in that way, I was going to continue on a little bit with, you know, just the latter half of, of uh, my life and, you know, where I, I and how I kind of crawled out of that. Because, um, I mean, honestly, the, the medical shit, the emotional and, you know, um, that kind of trauma and the sexual abuse, that kind of trauma it left me in a, in a, the hell of a state, you know, I wasn't exactly, um, I wasn't healthy, so it took some years, it took some patience from, you know, the loved ones I, I was, I, I kept around that, um, that really, you know, showed me the support and gave me the space that I needed and need when, when I needed and needed, um, and you guys know who you are if you're listening, so much love and much gratitude, but, you know, um, it really is important for all of us to focus on healing ourselves. And that's what I did. Like, I can just sum summarize what, I, you know, that last little bit. Um, I ended up getting out of high school and going into college. And college, you know, um, still sucked because it was school for me. So I, I didn't end up graduating. But I met people that didn't suck. And they help, you know, they help me believe that just because you were in school or just because you were in a, in a, uh, a system that wasn't, you know, the most comfortable, that, that not everybody's out to get you and not everybody's, you know, looking at, at you and imagining a target on your back or whatever. Because I, I, I was just the target to so much bullshit back in the day. So I was always like, I don't, I don't want to. So, you know, working through that um, and just putting myself out there in that way, like that helped so much. You know, shortly after that, I ended up getting my first job. At that first job, I met my my wife, who is still my wife, you know, uh, who is the love of my life and she, the, the beautiful mother of our children. I got to watch her give birth to two angels and two just absolute, 
gifts to have in our lives and to 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 be their parent to be her husband just her love because you can be with someone and not be married and still have just the same love that's just the route we chose but there is no marriage doesn't define you know love but to just know that and to truly feel because again you know you can't really get shit around on an empath like they're gonna feel it they're gonna know it they're gonna know whether you're bullshitting or not like we just are so if you're you do attempt to bullshit an empath and you know that person's an empath save yourself the energy because it's a moot point we know <laughs> um but to genuinely feel the love in return from my wife and from my kids and from you know, and just, just to know that my purpose here, even if it was just to get to this point, I'm so at peace and I'm so happy with that. And I'm so grateful to have been through everything that I've been through to be sitting here telling you this story right now. I, um, I, you know, I'll probably end up touching more on some of the specifics of that point, you know, later on. But right now, I'm going to leave it with that. Um, this is kind of a crazy, sporadic, all-over-the-place podcast. So if you happen to still be listening at this point, one, thank you so much. Um, two, um, thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, three, there is more to this story. I haven't shared it all. And, you know, I'm, I might in time. But that leaves, I think, a good like foundation or a good framework to explain what led me, you know, to to the path of questioning, to the path of wondering, like, well, what the fuck are, what the fuck are we doing here on this rock that floats in space around other rocks and other energy balls, and <laughs> what the fuck is life? Um, I think I'll just I'll I'll talk about that for a moment. And then I'll, I'll, I'll put a pin in this, this podcast for now. I was starting to really like question things, especially from a religious standpoint. Cause in my, my teen years, you know, I, again, I was heavily religious. I was very, very into my Christian faith at the time. I, um, if you under if you are raised christian or you know in a in a faith that requires you you know to give yourself fully in that way like or or the alternative is like eternal damnation well questioning things can be a little challenging because you even just questioning like wait a minute this doesn't seem fucking right this doesn't feel right to me like then if you've been brought up in the way I was, it was the ego would come in and just and just keep you in a comfortable state of no 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 that's that's not for you to question that's not for you to say you're not authorized blah 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 uh, who are you to question this like blah, those types of things so if you are happening to you know or if you are stumbling across this and you happen to be in in one of those situations where you're very pressured from a religion or from a belief system of any kind to be a certain way throw that away don't necessarily throw away the teachings that have benefited you like 
take what you, take what you know uh, take something out of it. Take what you can. Take what you will, but leave what doesn't serve you. And that's the same thing with this podcast too. With every just on in general, take what take what serves you, if anything, and then leave the rest. That's that's life. Ultimately, I feel. If you're stuck in a in a practice or in something that's saying, you know, you have to do this a certain way, you have to be blah, 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 you have to be doing these things at these times, at these dates, at the... nope, nope, no, that's not the way to me. I really, like, I'm not here to tell you how to live, and if that's where you find comfort and peace, I mean, truly, more power to you. But from my own personal experience, letting that go and taking my life into my own hands and saying, you know, I'm going to question shit that sounds like like I'm going to call bullshit bullshit because it smells bad and I can smell that it's bullshit and I don't need some gatekeeper telling me, no, it's not bullshit. It, it, it's really this beautiful thing here. Just take it. Just enjoy this, this heaping, steaming pile of bullshit. No, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Um, I, I, sorry, but I, um, I hate that. I hate, like, and if I ever come across in that way where, where it comes across, you know, like, oh, I'm telling you, you have to do something this way or that this way is better than this way. That's not what I mean. That's not my intention because there is no one way. And I think this, you know, as soon as you start to just, okay, there's just the one, one way that's it. Well, then we take the magic completely out of our own lives because then we close the door to any other path. It's just, nope, horse blinders, let me tunnel vision this shit. And I don't really believe that that's the way. I'm sorry, I I lost my train of thought for a second. I was talking about what led me, you know, to these things and why I started to, you know, to question. Ultimately, it was breaking away from, you know, religion, from Christianity um, and having, and ultimately gifting myself the ability to think for myself. Because as soon as I removed the gatekeeper of, you know, Christianity saying, okay, if I think these things or if I, uh, blah, 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 if I believe these things then I'm going to be spending eternity in hell. And I, you know, I removed that belief and I realized that that's not something I really ever aligned with and that it was just something that was, you know, shoved down my throat and it was something that was, you know, made to be this very fearful thing, not not, not anything other. Like, it, it's almost, it's marketed as, like, love and, like, you know, you ought to be, like, you know, the, the whole God-fearing. I fucking hate that shit. No, it's God-loving or goddess-loving whatever you align with but as long as it's love because if it's fear that one i am gonna say like don't don't give in to fear nobody likes to be afraid nobody likes that feeling and then ultimately it doesn't fucking serve us it really doesn't like i'm not i'm not gonna tell you how you know to like or how to live your life but if i can make a suggestion do your best to say fuck you to fear in every way sense shape of the word fuck you fear you don't govern my life you don't own me you don't you don't do anything to me i can just observe you and watch you fucking fall away because that's what fear is fear is just it's just part of it it's just a part of this all of this is just you know for us to observe and experience there's no 
you know, attachment necessary. And that is something that I think we all have to, or that we all struggle to remember and to keep in mind at times. But it's true. Um, so, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to be attached to that or to do anything weird like that. Um, so anyway, I, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just, I'll leave it at that for now, um, with religion and like breaking away from that and developing free thought, unjudged free thought, like no, no judgment, no bashing myself or whatever, if I had a thought that was quote-unquote blasphemous or, or, you know, whatever. And also, like, I had to kind of get angry. Like, that was another thing. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, how are you going to do this? If you're this loving, you know, God, you're this love, you know, whatever. Like, how are you going to have my life be this fucking hellhole of a, you know, point up to this, you know, or up, up to this point? And then, like, leave me high and dry when I get to the, like, the, okay, you're an adult now, like, make your own way. That's kind of what it was for me. It's like I, I started my adult life. I very quickly after that, you know, I, I got uh, with my wife and shortly after that we had kids and it was like all of this stuff. And I just, I felt completely abandoned again. I felt left behind again. And I'm like, what the actual fuck now? So it was that choice to give myself the freedom and, you know, the ability to look into other things and to realize that there is so much more out there than just one way of thinking and one way of living and being. And that's why I think ultimately I've, I, I have started Soulful Fire is because I, it's my intention to give information, to spread light that way, to spread love that way to give you what I know and to present it in a way that is unbiased as, or that is as unbiased as possible and in a way that just allows you to take whatever you need to take from anything that I say or bring, you know, to your awareness and to apply it to your life in whatever way you deem fit. Even if that's just like, okay, dude, this guy's lost his marbles. Fuck this. Like I'm out, like whatever. Great that's, that's fine. Like, obviously we're not a, we're not a vibrational match and there's nothing wrong with that. I wish you the very best. I wish you much love and healing on, on you know, on your journey. I, I really just, I want to stress that like this, you know, this means so much to me just to be here and to, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, potentially speak to so many and, and, and to help so many. It, it, it just means, a lot. It, it's at this point, it's it's hard to put into words. So, okay. Before I I keep going, I think I've said this now three three or four different times, um, but this time I mean it. I'm gonna hop off here. I'm gonna um, yeah. I'm gonna hop off and close this down, and then we'll we'll be back at it next week. Um, if you have any you know any questions, any comments, any any whatever please email me at queries at soulfulfire.com. That is Q-U-E-R-I-E-S at soulfulfire.com. And um, I would love to hear from you. You know, any, any, um, your stories com or anything on your own, I'd love to hear that too. Anything that I can help with, um, even if you just want to talk, I'm, I'm here for that. You know, I, um, I'll be getting into, you know, a little bit more about, some of the offerings that I have, you know, in that space, you know, uh, to help and to be available. 
but I'm, I'm not quite ready for that. I'll be, I'll be discussing that a little bit later on, sooner than you think, but I just, I'm getting things going and, and all of that stuff first, so, um, but yes, please email me. You can also visit the website, uh, you know, soulfulfire.com, and, you know, that will give you more information. There's also uh, more information about my backstory um, on there under the About Me, I think it's under the About Matthew uh, section. So you can, you know, read a little bit about that too. I also have plenty of blog posts up there that I've been posting, you know, um, throughout this past year or so. So there's lots of, you know, content and, you know, things ready for you and for your consumption there. I'm going to hop off of here for now, and I will see you guys next time. I hope you have a wonderful week. Um, enjoy Sagittarius season. I was going to actually get into and talk a little bit more about that, but I felt called to share my backstory and my background first. So I might um, do that next week, unless something else happens to call me. And that's just the way it is. You, know, you follow your intuition. You listen to those callings. So they're really important. All right, everyone, I'm going to leave you with that. Much love. I will see you next week. Thank you so much.